Hello and welcome to the front porch. This is Isaac Adams, and I am sitting here with the right reverend, the prelate, the bishop of Dallas. Do you have any other nicknames, man? No, those you 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 got them. I got I hit them. <laughs> I'm sitting here with Anthony Moore, uh, who came up on the porch to chop it up today. He's been a good friend, and he is a campus pastor down at the Village Church in. Fort, is it Fort Worth? It's or, in Fort Worth. Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how long have you been down there, Ann? Maybe a year and a few months. Not long at all. Yeah, so. not long at all. Man. Well, welcome to the front porch, man. Thank you for coming through and chopping it up with no, us. It's good to be here, brother. Yeah. Um, I just want to get in, man, to a bit of your story, just so folks can get to know you, get to know a bit of your ministry. Uh, I know you used to be a hooper in college, uh, the operative phrase in that sentence was used to be okay <laughs> but were you ever <laughs> <laughs> so we will get into uh get into your life man just tell me about where you grew up how you yeah. came to know the lord i'd love to hear it yeah so i'm originally from springfield missouri um well actually if i started back from 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 there i'm from mexico missouri which is not far from ferguson okay and my father wanting a better life for my family and uh, my brothers and sisters and i moved us to springfield missouri worked several jobs left the family for a while came back got us moved us there um it was there in springfield where yes we were afforded kind of better education things like that but we were also um, beginning to be exposed to just you know, going to church. So my, my mom and dad would put us on um, the Sunday school bus when it would come around. And mm. so we got to hear seeds of the gospel. Mm. I remember getting to hear seeds of the gospel from a third grade teacher, but it really wasn't until I was a junior in high school and I had an inappropriate relationship with uh, my girlfriend and she got killed in a car wreck. Mm. And it was at that moment like some of the games, because it's just kind of Christian nominally. Mm. One thing that being a Christian nominally can't stand, can't can't take is just thoughts of eternity. It'll quickly, you know, move those, you know, all of that nominal Christianity to the side and begin to think about eternity and, and think about what it would be like for me to stand before a holy and righteous God. And so I remember for the first time in my life just um, actual fruits of repentance, belief in mm. Christ and changed life and beginning to be discipled. And and so, yeah, that's that's kind of how I came to know the Lord, um, let's just say, junior in high school. So, mm. yeah. Junior in high school. So, and then after high school, so then what, what was next? Was it was it school right away? Were you like, I know I want to be in the ministry right away? Um, so I went and played uh, college basketball at uh, SMSU West Plains Junior College. Mm. Played a couple years there. We were pretty good. Um, JUCO decided or felt called into ministry. And at first thought, I'm just going to be done with basketball. Um, Went and visited my old high school coach who was coaching at Evangel University back in Springfield, Missouri. And just really went to visit him and pray with him and try to figure out, hey, what's next for me? What do you think I should do? Had some small mid-major D1s, some uh, small D2 schools looking at me, but when I when I went to visit my coach, my ex-high school coach, I saw him praying with the team, mm. heard him, you know, talking openly about Christ, and that was such a far contrast to what I had just experienced two years at junior college that I just fell in love. I'd never seen basketball and Christianity kind of wed together before, mm. and and so I, I went back to uh, West Plains and called back to my coach and said, if you bring a scholarship, I'll sign now, and so... Ended up going to Evangel University where I walked in day one, 
saw my wife shooting in the the gym. Uh, they wrote some articles before I got there about both of us because we're both from Springfield, kind of local right. hometown heroes, going to smaller schools and and doing it because of our faith. And so I I saw uh, I saw her in the article. Heard about her then, and then once I walked into the gym, thought I literally leaned over to a buddy that was with me and said, I could marry her. Mm. And so her mom put the full court press on me. <laughs> Quick story here. She mm. she said, Anthony, you think you could help us? Uh, we need to carry a, a refrigerator into it. It's one of those little college, yeah, you know, right. small refrigerators. Yeah. Yeah. You think you can help us carry this into her dorm room? And so I rode with them in the car over to her dorm room. I carried the fridge into the dorm room. My mother-in-law's wrong for this. She got me. We were standing in there. She's like, oh, I don't want it there. She picked it up and moved it over to the other side of the room. I'm like, what happened here? And then she goes, you know what? Why don't you guys just spend some time? I, I'm just going to leave and walk back. Here's the keys. Mm. And walked out. And so mm. at first, you know, you're, you're a young kid. You think you're a young Thundercat. And uh, you, you don't, you want to do some pursuing. Right. And so at that point, I kind of fled. But... Um, but we so we, we really established a really good friendship. But I met her, and became really good friends. I played two years worth of basketball there at Evangel, finished Evangel, and decided, oh, what am I going to do next? Mm. Potentially, should I go play overseas? Should I go try to do something else? Should I go to seminary? And for me, I really didn't necessarily feel, you know, audibly from the Lord, Him telling me to go to seminary. I just felt like it was a bigger faith jump for me because mm. I academically I just. I was never great and mm. never uh, necessarily loved to read or mm. study or anything like that and thought, eh, it seems right. If I'm going to be a minister, I need to go study. So I went to seminary and went to Southwestern and primarily went to Southwestern. I didn't know the differences between the seminaries at the time. Just had an uncle who's a music minister at Mount Olive mm. in, uh, for, in uh, Arlington. And so went to Arlington, Texas, stayed with him and went to school at Southwestern. Mm went back and uh, rekindled an actual then, you know, intentional relationship with Tosh, my wife, and a desire to pursue her for marriage. And, and so got married, brought her here to Texas or brought her to Texas with me. And and so, yeah, it's um, ended up at Southwestern for 10 yeah. years. Wow, man. Went in for the long haul. There you go, man. Yeah. So is that all that MDiv yeah. or you have, you have PhD? Was that, in, uh, was that included? It was all MDiv and PhD. There you go. And okay. so if it took me 10 years to do MDiv. I'm just saying, man, I'm trying to give you some credit. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> so, so, all right, so you got the PA. And tell me what you studied in, in your PhD. Wrote on a guy by the name of Richard Sibbs. Mm. Um, I, I, yeah, I wrote on him. Um Initially, so I was friends with, with Mark, Mark Dever, mm-hmm. um, but I never really knew about, you know, Richard Sibbs uh, and that he was kind of the expert on him. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of knew Mark from Nine Marks and, and all of his other kind of public ministry he has. Because of our friendship, my advisor at the time, Dr. Lee, he knew my love for preaching. Uh, he knew just kind of some of the things going on in my life and and so he brought up the fact that, hey, you should think about writing on Richard Sibbs mm. and handed me the Bruce Reed mm. and said, you should read this. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Mark uh, Devers has done his dissertation on him. And so mm. I read the Bruce Reed and was completely sold and so mm. decided to write my dissertation on Richard Sibbs. And mm. so just finished about a, uh, it's a little over a year and a half ago almost, uh, the dissertation. And so... And yep. what it, and you talked earlier, so we were talking before this, and you mentioned just the extreme suffering 
you encountered as a junior in high school with mm. an old girlfriend, and I'm sorry to hear about that, brother. I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, and then you also have gone through something with your family uh, in, um, in dealing with a situation, a painful situation with uh, your sister. What did Sibs actually do for you in that time? Uh, because I want to talk about how Sibs, how you kind of even applied him to your life. So not so much the academic side, though. I'm sure that's yeah. interesting. But devotionally, how did Sibs help you in that time? Yeah. I think it's it's so interesting. I have it. Uh, I'm even nervous about trying to put words to it. But it seems to be that um, some of the lower economic, you know, growing up in certain places... Um, yeah, it, it feels like there's more of a tendency towards the type of suffering or trauma associated with those those particular lifestyles. I don't know what I'm saying there. Other than to say, it just feels like suffering has kind of attended my way, you know, ever since I was a young kid. I mean, I could just run through, um, I think, things that are more than normal, seeing family members being killed, um, watching family members, you know, die off from drugs, being mm. incarcerated, mm. things like that. And and so then that was also um, something that at the time, you know, my father moved our family to try to give us a better shot at mm. at life and to avoid some of those things. And, and my little sister um, went through just some struggles with uh, drug addiction. And praise God now she is, uh, it's been incredible. She's been... Uh, delivered, loves Jesus, attending Praise church, God. lives with us. I mean, Praise it is God. incredible. Um, so I'm extremely thankful for what the Lord's done in her life. But uh, at the time, it was just it was hard seeing and watching literally her deteriorate before my eyes. Mm-hmm. And what Sibs did for me was just to give me a strong theology of suffering mm-hmm. that I'd never had before. And so the way that I, I kind of would, would say it is I always saw myself as a victim saw myself of, um, you know, the need to kind of try to protect myself from more suffering. So if you've got a hand, it was like I wanted to keep my hand closed around myself, around my heart, so that I didn't experience any more suffering Mm -hmm. because I just didn't think about what potentially could be a sovereign God's purpose and rhythm and rhyme for his people and for Mm -hmm. the world in terms of suffering. And Sibs just kind of did that for me, Mm -hmm. gave me... Uh, made me start thinking about how the Lord, uh, in his his book, A Bruise Read, how the Lord oftentimes bruises those he loves. Mm. And so I think he's he's pulling from Luther, but um, the, the cross is not just salvific, it's not just how he saves us, but it's also a way, a methodology of looking, how, how does the Lord work in the world? Mm. And so one of the most profound ways that we know that, that God has... has demonstrated himself and clearly revealed himself as the cross and the cross was wrapped in suffering Mm. and so beginning to think about that made me go from kind of close fist around myself thinking of myself as a victim and and begin to kind of open up and think about lord however this situation has come whether it's someone else's sin my own sin maybe it's just kind of calamity in the world Mm. however it's come to me you mean it for my good Mm. And it just helped me, you know, stop feeling as the victim and mm. start thinking of myself as my God mm. is being gracious to me. Um, he's reaching out, smiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's smiling on my behalf and reaching his hand out. He's a good father, even mm. in the midst of suffering. Mm. And, 
And so Sibs did that for me. It was, it's been incredible. So, so and just seeing how much gold the Lord kind of gave you through the ministry of Sibs, which we praise God for. How do you then think, I mean, just, it's kind of, it's a latent conversation now, but certainly uh, it goes and it comes, I think, in ways of African-American brothers uh, thinking about how to think about the Puritans. Uh, and would you lump Sibs, would you put Sibs in that category? Uh, and I'm not even saying Sibs per se was a slave owner, um, but just thinking about that trajectory yeah. and how to how to appropriate kind of the gold that you've drawn yeah. uh, and yet still deal with that reality. Just any thoughts, yeah. counsel, wisdom in that? Yeah. So not all the Puritans are, are the same. Some of the slave owners would say. So it just depends on how you're going to define Puritans. Um, Sibs is one of the, uh, what they would call, many would call one of the fathers of Puritanism. And mm. and so, um, yeah, I, I'm thinking of, uh, uh, was it propaganda songs? Mm-hmm, right, about slave right, owners. Not right. all Puritans are the same, and defining them the same ways it can be difficult. But, um, yeah, I think that the testimony of God's character and his goodness to his people is what church history is. Mm. And so black, white, whatever, if you're a Christian, you want to look for the testimony of of God and his character and how he's worked among uh, his people. And Sibs, in particular, is writing at a time, so a lot of our conversations, you know, about theology might be framed up in terms of, like, reformed and non-reformed, and what we mean by that is kind of soteriology, mm-hmm. Calvinist or not, but... But then a lot of conversations around assurance. Mm. How do you know that you're a believer? Mm. How do you, how can you see that, uh, that the Lord, that yeah, that you have genuine faith? And one way to kind of look at history is through this idea of kind of assurance of faith, which is, I think, a lot of the, just kind of the subject matter of Sibs' writing is he's thinking about assurance. You think about Luther and his cry to the Catholic Church, just not having assurance be based upon indulgences and pain mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. works. And so Sibs kind of continuing in that tradition, and one of the things he talks about is how our relationship to to Christ is like a marital relationship. Mm-hmm. We're married to him. And so here it is, you can wed two things together. Um, and one, the one sense I'm um, declared where someone pronounces you married. So that's what happens in our marriage to Christ. We're pronounced. But on the other side of that, it still matters whether or not I come home in flowers or an adulterous mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. And and so Sib's talking about the nature of assurance and how our, our um, union with Christ and our marriage to him matters. And so, man, those are, these are just truths and concepts mm-hmm. that every believer better mm-hmm. be able to grasp because this is mm-hmm. all of us daily right right right, right. Like just right. how do we think about you know my own inward battle with sin yeah, how man. do we think about yeah just all sorts of stuff and so well man know. even in hearing i mean even in that uh brief testimony i mean what you're pointing out is that truth is not culturally bound mm-hmm. one, and truth is not bounded even by history right yeah. i mean uh while we might not be fighting the distortions of Rome, yeah. every one of us at some point or another is struggling with assurance of faith, That's right? right. That's uh, and every one of us, even to use you know propaganda's language, I think in that song, is a crooked stick. Yeah. And yeah. God good. is making straight lines, yeah, right? Uh, yeah. So uh, by no means do we just simply ignore um, 
ignore history or revise it, but yeah. at the same time, we see... Uh, I like how you phrase it, even these lenses to kind of look through history. Yeah. We look back through these kind of lenses of God's grace to his people, his patience yeah. with them, and we see that for us. And I think, uh, brother, you're a good testimony, man, of just appropriating the good and applying that to your life, given the, just the kind of extreme suffering uh, that God has allowed you to face. In this yeah, life, that's right. Uh, and, I, and I think the, just to add to that, that, that when we think back through these different, you know, that when we think back through history, there's no one ethnicity that can claim for themselves that, that the history of God's working in his people is unique to them. Mm. And I, I love that that's Christian history. That's mm. that, that history belongs to, you know, the glorious work of our Savior. And and so that's right, man. Mm. Mm. I think all of us are a testimony of that. Mm. So, Praise God, yeah. man. Well, we're going to hop up off the porch in a second, but I just wanted to ask, man, ways people can be praying for you as they think about your ministry. So we didn't get to your three soldiers, but you got three boys, man. So yeah. I, know, I know they're running you. And yeah. I mean, anything else, man, as we think about as your current ministry in Texas, yeah. uh, or these things even that we've been talking about. Yeah, I think two things that are you know, pretty, uh, yeah, just on the front of my mind is one, just the balance as a young pastor, uh, just, just learning balance between family, uh, ministry, and you know, all the aspirations that you have, just wanting to balance that well and not see any casualties mm. from my mm. youthfulness. Mm. Just wanting to be careful and think beyond my years because I think it really matters with regards to you know, the church, the people there that, that I'm charged caring for and, and my family. And so yeah, just maturity there with balance. And then the other thing, just for our church, that we would be unified. Mm. And so I'm a part of the village Fort Worth and we are right now praying through and thinking about what um, uh, becoming an autonomous local church would look like, mm. specifically for the burden of of the area that we're in. It's a pretty mm. impoverished and mm. drug-infested area. Mm. And Sounds like the area you came from. Yeah, from that's yeah. Right. and yeah. so trying to think about becoming a local church for that, that being one of the reasons. and. Um, in all of those conversations, just that we'd be unified. Mm. The Lord would give us um, clear guidance and wisdom on how to do that well. So. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing those things, man. I know yeah. that takes vulnerability and humility. And uh, for the folks listening to the podcast, Anthony also wrote a post recently. Uh, I think it's just straight up called, I'm a bad pastor. That's right. And here's why it's important to say so. Uh, but in that, man, you really trace out some uh, some things that us youthful cats, and I'm even younger than you, yeah. uh uh, that we just, we go through and hard-headedness and the foolishness, and I like how you phrased it, man, uh, the casualties that sometimes we can undergo. But yeah. like we were just talking about uh, with Sibs and Lutheran views of history, you know, God will be faithful uh, to bring us home. That's uh, right, brother. Because we know yeah. we would not get there on our own. Amen. So, amen. amen. Thank you for coming through on the porch, chopping it up with us, bro. Yeah, good to be here. <laughs>